Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. There's nothing that um, that really gets you into uh, a fully immersive uh, ride experience like that than a trademark copyright splash screen. <laughs> The best is it's all supposed to be POV shot, but they keep because they don't have footage, so they keep cutting to just footage of the movie that just doesn't. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not really a POV. <laughs> Aliens ride at the speed of fright. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, Andrew. Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm are good. you? Are you feeling strong? Yeah. Looking good, feeling good. I'm, I, I am. I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. It's been. Uh, it's been too long. It as, has, been. as ever, since we have last uh, spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. Uh, uh, do Do you want to talk any about your uh, your new uh, contact information before we jump in? Are we going to just? We're going to start with that. Sure. Yeah. yeah people yeah. can find me at Soda Creek Film on Twitter or Facebook, Soda Creek Film or SodaCreekFilm.com or Rash Pixel. And uh, yeah. It's like I, I do, like you ask, why, are we going to, oh, are we going to start with that? <laughs> well, I never know. It's like you, you uh, throw it out as a little surprise. I never know when to expect <laughs> it. Is it like, is it going to be dessert this week or is it going to be the appetizer? <laughs> I do like to shake. I like to shake it up. Head to uh, rashpixel.tv for all the Rashpixel shows, and make sure you check out uh, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, it really helps us if you if if you like anything that we talk about, <clears throat> or if you don't and just like to pretend to like people because you like to spread good in the world. Leave a uh, friendly uh, rating and a nice comment. It Please. helps other people uh, discover the show. We're also on. Um, uh, uh, it's your your new favorite uh, app, right? Stitcher, Smart Radio. Are you still using it? I, I sure am. I, <laughs> I sure it. am. I sure am. <laughs> and how? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stitcher Smart Radio. It's a smarter way to do internet radio, and uh, you can download it from your favorite app store and, and find it there. And I I haven't. Uh, have you played around with SoundCloud at all? It's um, our, I have. I our haven't. other little experiment. I haven't. That I I didn't know if that was something I could do for my phone as well. You, uh, oh yeah, there's an app. Oh, it's Is good. It? Yeah, it's a great app from the iPhone and iPad. I haven't played with uh, anything else, but uh, but I've got the iPhone and it sends you notifications. It's it's really fancy. It's quite fancy. Quite. So I oh. don't know. I they're gonna guy's gonna call me, or not call me. He's gonna email me. He's been traveling. The the SoundCloud guy is gonna call or email. <laughs> Nobody calls anymore. He's going to oh, tweet. That? He's going to tweet. He actually tweeted me to tell oh. me that he was going to email me. <laughs> I love how tweeting has become sort of a like a voicemail for email. 
<laughs> I thought that's what texting was. Oh, texting so oh, I'm last so year. Please. I'm so Please. 2011. You are yeah. so in the pocket of big cellular. That's what that means. Oh, my. You're still SMS? <laughs> so old news. Yeah, with it. Sucking on the teat of the man. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably. Oh. That, I think I may be mixing <laughs> mixing yeah. my metaphors. Uh, yeah. Shall we? Uh, shall we talk about some trailers that came out? Well, first, there's yeah. one other place that people can find me. Oh, oh, where is? Well, good lord, <laughs> and that's man. on that. That's on as Soda Creek film on Flick Chart, my new favorite place. To oh my, my god, time. that's <laughs> true. This, I'm so glad you brought that up. Tell, tell, tell the good, tell the good person what flick chart is the good person listening yeah. to us yeah uh flick chart if you're uh interested in putting together your your a list of all of your favorite movies uh it's basically face smash for movies uh that that you know little web game that mark zuckerberg made back in his dorm um where that you're allows ra- you to compare hot people yeah two two hot people against each other this is two movies and it just goes on and on endlessly and you just kind of keep ranking and re-ranking movies and and you build your 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 favorite movie lists and it's uh it's a great way to while away the time so it is uh quite uh, how what are you up to now i am up to uh 2158 movies that i've ranked 150 no 15,780 five times so wow yeah that's a lot <laughs> wow but if i'm like sitting at a red light i, I do it or if i'm you know at a red light, so do they have a they have an app it's not really an app it's just the mobile version so if you if but it's, you go is it pretty to, good yeah it actually is great all it is is just the two movie posters and the and you just pick. oh i would totally be doing this i didn't know i didn't even uh, try it on my phone i'm i'm gonna be doing this then i'm gonna be losing myself to it that's great yes, like i have yeah yes so okay. uh, but it's a lot of fun and, and you can you know it's kind of tricky fi- figuring out how to friend people but we finally figured it out and you can friend each other and compare lists and all that good stuff yeah so. that's great yes yeah, so another fun place to track us down yeah uh and it's a good place because we are building we're starting to build our lists and i mm, think we yeah. you know our next mission i think is to start doing more of the movies that are in our big top list i think we're doing a pretty good job so far but we, we need yeah. to cr- start cross populating our list uh so let's talk trailers let's talk trailers so uh the first one which uh i just finally looked at was uh wreck it ralph what do you think i think it looks great it's uh i i had no idea what this was um and you just told me to watch it and i did and it's uh it looks really fun it looks like a, a fun Disney, like an animated Disney movie. And I don't know if this is, if is this falling into the canon of Disney's films? Like it's yeah. animated classics? Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about it. I uh, I, I thought it was Pixar, all all Pixar, which I no, guess it's, is all. It's, it's, no, it's Disney. But there's it's, no, yeah, there's no Pixar logo at all. Are they doing? I mean, movie. yeah. Isn't I mean, isn't Disney, isn't Pixar Disney movies? I mean, aren't they? Haven't they kind of moved? They're, no, but they're still separate. Um, separate enterprises. Uh, enterprises. Yeah, Pixar releases its own films, but 
as the um, the head of Disney now, John Lasseter is kind of the executive producer and the, the man of in charge everything. of all the animated Disney, the regular Disney movies now as well. You know, because I mean, they've since they merged, they've still had like Bolt has been released and Tangled and Princess yeah. and the Frog. So they're still releasing their Disney animated films. Well, this one, so, okay, so you just watched it. This one is, I've had a couple of days to sit on it, and I, I just, you know, I mean, it, I, I, okay, I grew up on Rampage, right? I mean, that was my Saturday morning thing, is to go play Rampage and, um, uh, you know, assorted other games, mostly like, uh, oh, see, now that's going to escape me. There's another one of the four-player ones that, uh, where you were a wizard and an archer. Oh, and a, um, oh man. Uh, come on. I know, I know which one you know you're what talking I'm talking about. about? But, um, yeah, I'm blanking on it. It'll it'll hit us. Yeah, yeah. And so moment. I would spend a ton of money. I would I would spend all my coins, all my money on that. And then when I would run out of money, I would go home and play like Bard's Tale on my Apple II. Mm, and so it was sweet. like my Saturday was just all day long. I was playing games, and and so I grew up on these games that are really most. So Wreck It Ralph, the idea is that you're kind of the main character of a rampage style. Um, uh, eight bit game and uh, what is and and then it is Monsters Inc for eighties video games, <laughs> right? It's just sort of let's look at what's going on behind all these characters. They have lives. They, they live in therapy. The they right. live inside this universe and they can jump. They can the the big. It looks like the big conceit is they can jump from game to game. So a character who doesn't like his life very much wants to strive for something greater. He jumps into a new uh, modern action game, mm -hmm. and that's the premise. And it looks good. Uh, it looks uh, you know I mean it looks cute. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be a really fun movie. Yeah, yeah John or uh, is it uh, John, John C. Riley yeah. and uh, what's his name? Brayer, Jack is it Jack McBrayer? What's his name? Jack McBrayer. Jack McBrayer uh, are the voices, and it looks uh, it looks cute. It looks cute. I hope they don't. Uh, I hope they don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Yes, don't mess it up, guys. Please, when you're gonna play with stuff that's like close to my heart, they've got kind of a Zelda-ish looking thing in here. They've got a Metroid looking thing. They've got the. They've got Spike. They've got one yeah. of the Pac-Man ghosts. Yeah, know. the Pac-Man ghost is really funny. They've got yeah. a zombie. I like the zombie bit. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's good. It's yeah. going to be a fun one. Yeah. No, I, I like that one. So, okay. So, that was the first one. You got to check out the Wreck-It Ralph trailer. What else uh, What else did we uh, did we want to talk about? Were you, did we, you we, want to talk about... Yeah, what was the uh, the, the new uh, Bill Murray? Oh, yeah. The um, Hyde Park on Hudson. I think that's a terrible name, but I'll have to see the movie first. It's tough to remember. It is a terrible name. It yeah. Is it's a terrible it's, name. It's, it's, an, it's a title that screams art house film. It does, but it's got Bill Murray in it, and it, he is playing Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. And he looks great. He looks yeah. great. And he plays it so well. Too. He plays it so well. So in the in the you know two and a half minute trailer, gotta check out this trailer because uh, this is this is going to be the movie to watch. I think this is he is so far. Um, you know, every year there's that there's that position where you get an actor who is you know old enough, played enough of sort of has been sort of pigeonholed in one particular style, and now he gets a chance to do a character piece, mm -hmm. uh, and Lost in Translation sucked. What? It did. And you know what else? What? Steve Zizou sucked. Yeah, it did. 
dumb. I right? agree with you on that. But I love Lost in Translation. Oh, so. sucks. So and you know why? Because the... because what's her name? Sofia Coppola? <laughs> Bites. Can't stand her. You know what it was? I think it was Godfather 3. That just did you in with her? watching. I, I just can't stand her mouth. I can't stand her mouth. The, the way she, I, I find, this is, I don't find, I, this is terrible because it's like, it's, she's just hard to watch. She's hard yeah. to watch talk. She, she has an awkward look to her, but she's not in Lost in Translation. She directed it. Did but she write her, it too? Yes, she won an Oscar yeah, for it. Yeah, and I'm, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. This is, I'm going to get in trouble again. Somebody's <laughs> going to do another poster about how Pete makes them mad. And that's, that's right. Fine. I can take it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're in the same camp on this one. I, I don't know. I hated but... that movie. So bored oh. in that movie. But this is Bill Murray's shot. I think this is going to be the one people are going to say, oh, you know what? This is the old man character movie for this year. And and I think Bill Murray's going to uh, – this is going to be the one to watch. If, if the movie is even middling to fair – Bill, Bill Murray's character is going to pull it off. Um, and the Middling other are fair. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a great movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a great movie. Look at uh, the Queen one that you hated so much. Oh, yeah. The Iron Lady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then the, the other movie we want to talk about was the, uh, the uh, time travel one. Yes. Um, this looks so good. What's it called? It's called... You, don't you have it in your notes? To refresh. Safety not guaranteed. This looks fantastic. It does. It really does. This is going to be a fun, just wacky indie movie. What is the What is the premise? Can you describe it? Uh, somebody puts a classified ad in the newspaper that basically... It says, wanted. Someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I have only done this once before. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that and so, bit. so this uh, this this person, the or people, three people, kind of latch on and uh, meet this guy who who put this ad out, and they kind of start, you know, going on this journey, and we're not really sure if it if it really is going to be a time travel story or if it's some crazy thing in there in this guy's head or what. But it's just this really quirky little story, and it just it sounds just fantastic it really does it looks so good and you know what else this is what i was saying before we started it's full of people who should be my best friends but don't know me yet like the (laughs) the character this is this is a movie that was like made for me and uh, and my people like this Mm. is this is it so it uh this is a movie that's coming out very soon if it did it just it already came out Actually, it, might, it, it, it might opened in limited. limited no, tomorrow. Yeah. It, it, it's this week. This is yeah. uh, so uh, June 8th is uh, this movie hits. So absolutely check uh, Safety Not Guaranteed out. The trailer looks terrific. We'll post it in the notes. Um, uh, Wreck-It Ralph hits November 2nd. And um, do you happen to have the uh, hide? No. Uh, Let me see if um... I can if I can track it down. Uh, it it comes out very very soon as well. It looks like uh, oh, it. that just says 2012 yeah. here. It's so that's coming. You know, it's coming in 2012. So check that out sometime in 2012 when that comes. Looks like it's going to be a good one. Um, looks like it's December seventh. Okay. So it's like, uh, oh, there you go. Anything else uh, strike you? Nope. That we haven't talked about. All right. I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about this movie. 
<laughs> this is a this is part four of our uh, our alien saga. Mm. Alien, alien resurrection. resurrection. A quirky little film. <laughs> oh, how okay? To, so to start, how would you justify having this movie in a list of on a show called Movies We Like? <laughs> How would I don't you know. start I was that? About that, I'm like, well, it kind of fits into that Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull camp. Uh, it just kind of gets dragged along by its uh, by the rest of its group. <laughs> but that being said, there are elements in this, and 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 we'll talk about this in more depth. There are a lot of elements in this film that I think work really well, either work really well or is a really interesting concept, but it's just not pulled off right. Okay. So yeah, yeah, no, no, I would actually totally. I think actually, uh, you know, I, I answered that as if I was sort of not supporting you, but in fact, I think that is the single problem with this film is execution. Yeah. And and what I think is most fascinating, and I want to open with this passage. I'm going to read a whole passage mm. uh, <clears throat> because I. Uh, this is I did not I had not read this passage until I watched this movie again, and then I discovered this passage. I realized it 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 summarized my entire feeling about it. This is a passage. Uh, this was uh, from an interview with Joss Whedon, the guy who wrote the script, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what he thought when asked in two thousand five uh, on the Wikipedia page about this film. It wasn't a question of doing everything differently, although they changed the ending. It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They said the lines, mostly, but they said them all wrong. And they cast it wrong. And they designed it wrong. And they scored it wrong. They did everything wrong that they could possibly do. There's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking because everything that they did reflects back to the script or looks like something from the script. And people assume that if I hated it, then they had changed the script. But it wasn't so much that they changed the script. It's that they just executed it in such a ghastly fashion as to render it almost unwatchable. <laughs> I would I, I would actually uh, amend that and say uh, unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> Strike almost. Strike almost. Yeah. I I, I this is uh, okay. So now your turn. Okay. So that being said. Not that I want to uh, feel like I'm justifying Joss Whedon or anything, because actually I completely agree with his quote as well, except for the scoring. I actually think the score is actually fairly strong in this film, and I think it works well for the series. Um, But I read one of his early scripts, and I didn't think it was that much better. (laughs) Right. I, I mean, I know they changed it. I know they modified it. They they got rid of the... Uh, they changed the ending a lot. The, the version I read, um, they crash-land the ship on Earth with the newborn, and they go into a big chase and a big battle with the newborn uh, up like in the on a cliff sort of right. thing. Um, that wasn't that much better. A lot of the parts that feel like they're just not working for me all still are there. Um, yes, the casting was uh, a problem and I think exacerbated some of that, but I still think a lot of it 
um, did stem from the script. And I, I feel like um, I have problems with both the script and the direction and the casting and the shooting style. <laughs> <laughs> and the effects and the, and the unbelievably yeah. dumb character design uh, or creature design. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, here's here's why I found myself not just not liking the movie, because but but really insulted by it. It's because I really love the aliens saga. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I love the universe that they've created. And I think one of the fundamental problems with this movie and the reason I, I think that, you know, when you look at the accolades that this movie has has received, and it's not many. And, and most of the reviewers, you know, were split. People either like this movie or they really didn't. You didn't have anybody who was just sort of overwhelmingly thrilled about it. Mm -hmm. Um, um and, and it certainly wasn't swayed. I, I think there are more people who didn't like it than did, but, but you know, whatever. I I think the people who liked it were the people who were not as in touch with the aliens universe. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. This this wasn't an aliens movie. What what uh, Janae did with this film is took some characters that had been in some creatures that had been in some other movie and put them in this movie and gave them sort of a, a sociology uh, uh, and turned them loose on a spaceship in a French interpretation of a creature film. This was not an alien movie. And if you get past that, if you if you go into it having never seen, or, or I should say, I wonder if this was the first alien movie you saw, if you would really like it. Yeah. Well... There's something to be said for that. You know? This is a this is a movie where the 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 monkey pooped in the lemonade. That's <laughs> this is an example of that movie. It is. This is a good example of that. Yeah, but but you're right. Going in blind, if somebody watched this, um, I I think they would find a totally different uh, a, a totally different take on the whole story, and they may not have any problem with any of it. Um, but yeah, it's it when it fits within the anthology of these four films, yeah. it really feels lacking, and it I, it it just feels like somebody was saying we've we've got to continue the series. Let's do something really quirky with it so that it feels different and fresh, and they just pushed it into a direction that they shouldn't have. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because because uh, David Geiler actually um, there's he he has a, a brief <laughs> one uh, one uh, tiny bit on the making of on the behind the or behind the scenes documentary on this one, and he basically said that he and Walter Hill were completely against any other Alien films after Alien Three because they felt like they closed it out, they, there shouldn't be any more. And they expressed this to the studio, and the studio said, we're doing it anyway. And he said, fine, then you can have yours, and we'll have ours. And that was it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so so I don't think he was very happy that they went forward into this. Well, and that's why this movie is in sort of a strange place in the, um, I'm heavily using air quotes, saga, because you know we have the the first three films and uh, honestly you know in the last week since since we talked about alien 3 uh 
that movie has aged on me, uh, you know, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I, you know, and maybe it's because I'm watching it in direct contrast to Alien Resurrection, but I, I'm finding myself really liking Alien Three. Yeah. Um, and and how well I think it ends up fitting and brings new material to a story that actually feels consistent and and sort of cogent uh, in every way that this one doesn't. Um, but after Alien Resurrection. We go on to this dreadful alien versus predator kind of universe, and mm-hmm. uh, and we're not going to do those movies. We're no, not going to talk about That's... those movies. So why does this movie fit in our discussion, and those movies don't? Is it because strictly because of of uh, Sigourney Weaver? I, yeah, I think it's strictly because this movie is considered part of the anthology. I mean, the Blu-ray set has it as the, you know, these four films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the saga of Ripley and her journey and her her battle with these aliens. And I think that's why it fits in, even though it does feel kind of awkwardly stuck on the end. That being said, one of the things that I found interesting talking last week is how Sigourney Weaver was so concerned going into Alien 3 about feeling that the Ripley character was had been played out, wasn't really sure what else they could do with it. They did find a way to close that character, which worked really well for that film. But it did, you know, leave in people's minds, well, what are they going to do now? And I can see her saying, in fact, I believe that she did say when they told her they wanted to do another one, she's like, no, no, no. We closed it. I We worked very specifically to find a way to end the Ripley character so you could just leave it and you could go do whatever you wanted with it. Um, okay, wait, 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 wait. Um, we're going to act this out. Okay. Okay. You're going to be Sigourney Weaver and I'm going to be the studio. All right. Sounds okay. good. All right. Uh, Sigourney, uh, hi. We're really excited about the latest uh, in the franchise. We're very excited. We've got some great talent and we're going we're gonna to bring back Ripley uh, with uh, cloning. And it's going to be directed by a French guy who uh, doesn't really know much about monster movies. And so this is going to be great. Are you in? Pay me $11 million. See, that was it. How did you? You totally did that. That's what you. Yes, we'll do that. We'll do that. Oh, okay. So now we I'm have in. a movie. I think we know what the price is for that movie. For this. I, we know, you know the price of, of, of honor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> price of, of hey, dignity and give me a co-producer credit yeah exactly but you know what this is not a movie why would she want her name <laughs> but see uh, the thing i did like about it was okay. that i can understand her looking at this and going okay they're doing something interesting with the ripley character that i wasn't expecting the idea that it's it's cloned and it's in a weird way it's like the fly you know you've got this weird like genetic mashup between ripley and the alien that was inside her and uh creating this kind of funky ripley that's in some ways almost more alien than human yeah and and for that aspect i i think it's really interesting in fact i think that specific aspect of the cloning is one of the the two things that work for me in this film and the scene when she goes into the room and she finds she has the eight tattooed on her arm and when she goes into that room and she finds all of the previous one through seven Mm -hmm. trials of of making this ripley clone um 
that's I think it's a very powerful scene. And it's I mean, I, I can only imagine how hard it is to walk into a room to see seven other versions of yourself that were all failures. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, I think it's a fairly powerful scene. So I, I like that bit in the film. Yeah. OK. I Yeah, I like that bit, too. I, although I have, you know, I mean, there's only she, she just sort of traipsing around this spaceship. She looks more like Paul Stanley. You know, I mean, this is. I don't know what was what was going on there with her leathers, but you know, I it's just had some issues with just the character. I feel I felt like a little bit like they didn't quite do go enough and and maybe it was just the way she executed this character that it was a it ended up being a more complex character than than you know, I I just didn't buy it beyond well, the fingernails, you know? I mean, I didn't I didn't get it. She kept well, cutting her hand to get the yeah. I was you know, that was played out. Uh so it, there were elements of it that I liked, but you know what I thought was was most interesting about this was if you if you start, um, I don't know, you 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 break down uh, the one of the big problems I have with the movie is that they they just threw in all of the things that sort of worked in all three of the other movies, right? Mm-hmm. You end up with this sort of military, paramilitary, uh, the. Um, uh, kind of lost in space where we've got to get off the ship before it blows up. Yeah. Uh, and we've got the ragtag group, which uh, honestly, this ends up looking more like an early draft of Serenity in terms of, of <laughs> you know, the ragtag uh, group of space uh, jockeys. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it, it's also shoehorned into this uh, to this thing that I, I just I, it just doesn't doesn't play well from the very first scene from the very first cut when the guy, when he squishes the bug on the windshield you just realize this is a tone that doesn't fit this film no. there are elements i think you're right that are that are interesting and uh, um the the initial surgery the initial extraction when they mm-hmm. when they're pulling the thing i find that just really horrifying like in a in a cool way yeah, when they're extracting when they, it they're from extracting her. the alien from her, and yeah. when you first recognize that, um, and to your point, I, I I would say parenthetically to your point, I think there are a number of sort of dramatic elements that I think are really interesting and poorly executed. Oh, I agree. Right, because I like the idea of I I think the idea of resurrecting or or cloning someone to get this symbiote out of them is uh is really dark it is it's it's dark it's strong it's it's yeah it's it makes for good stuff in other cases <laughs> right right it seems like it's uh, it seems like something that's that's very cool i like the idea of the genetic uh you know because i think one of the things that this film um sort of builds on but not in a way that's overt enough to make the point is the way the aliens um uh the way the alien uh relationship sort of genetic relationship exists between whoever or whatever hosts it mm-hmm. right and we we learned that in alien 3 it had never been explored uh to any degree in aliens or alien Right. And in this movie, there was a real opportunity, and and I just am I'm not sure that it was it was played out in any or, or it was played out, but it was played out sort of so kind of uh, uh, 
out there like you know we sure we we see that ripley has the dark fingernails but it's not that ends up not being an, a terribly uh interesting angle no right uh so i i don't know i'm uh, i feel like this is a this is a film that that just well yeah poops in the lemonade so go ahead what do you want to well, say well you know the other the other scene that I think works, and I, I actually enjoy it, is yeah. the scene when they're in the water. Despite the fact that that it goes on so long that there's no way anyone could realistically be holding their breath. Yeah, uh, that was just the one thing that I hadn't seen in any of the other films before that I thought was pretty uh, creepy. Just the idea that you know you're swimming through, you're forced to swim through this flooded area of the ship. And then these aliens who have this natural ability to swim much better than you are pursuing you underwater. Yeah. I liked that scene as well. So the, the, there are some things like those bits that work. There are also, like you said, elements that come close to working. It's just so poorly executed, whether it's um, potentially interesting characters like um, Dr. What's his name? Dr. Gelderman. Um, the, I'm going to butcher his name now. Um, oh, um, are you talking about, uh, Brad Dorif? Yeah. Brad uh, Dr. Dorif's Gediman. character. Gediman, Dr. Yeah. Gediman. Uh, He's, really, yeah. I mean, it's creepy. That sort of character that is, uh, you know, obsessed with the, the beauty of these mutated, you know, genetic monsters and, is like almost in love with them to the point of, you know, not really worrying about his own life. Um, it's, it's a fascinating character. It just doesn't work. You know, you know? uh, Dorif went to my high school. Oh, did he really? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Fountain, oh. Fountain Valley, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 1969. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I fell in love with that guy, uh, in, uh, Dune. Who was he in Dune? Uh, uh, I can't remember who he was in Dune. He was in. Uh, he was. Uh, um, he's been in Peter so Peter De Vries. Ah, yes. In yes. Uh, in Dune, he's been in. So he was Wormtongue. I mean, the yeah. guys. He's he's the creepy guy in everything, and that he played that really well. I mean, I I think that that's this is where he excels. Is, um, you know, he he plays the. Is it the id? You know, it's that it's that piece that yeah. you it's that piece of the of the it's the the spirit of the film that you, no one admits they really have, right? I mean, this is the argument that the, this is the dark side of any of the arguments that 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 go on in this movie, the philosophical arguments that go on in this movie that we're breeding because of the beauty of these these species of the species, and look at the gift that that Ripley ends up giving it the mm -hmm. ability to reproduce. Right. Um, uh, without the eggs or the hosts, right? And and we should say Brad Dourif is is just one of many uh, uh, characters that are typically uh, or actors that that you know are are known for bringing really strong, interesting performances to the films mm -hmm. that they take on. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sigourney Weaver, obviously, we she's a known quantity. We know her, we love her, and and she has done such great stuff with with Alien and other work dan yeah. hedea is you know 
We've already talked about I'm it. not arguing that with I'm you. I'm not arguing that with you, Dan Hedaya. He's fantastic. We love yeah. Dan Hedaya. Uh, J.E. Freeman is, you know, uh, he and, and Brad Dourif together end up being a very interesting um, sort of partnership. Um, uh, you know, Gary Dourdan, I think, as Christie is that sort of dark, uh, uh, the, the dark sort of always armed kind of pilot uh, who then went on to CSI. I love that guy. I love yeah, that guy. Great. And Perlman. Come on. Ron Perlman. And I mean, I even love Dominique Pignon, Winona Ryder, Michael Wincott. No, I don't like Winona Ryder. I can't, well, I, I can't join you on that. Okay. You're, in no. the right role, I, I enjoy Winona. What is that role? What is that I, role? She's great in, in Heathers. She was great in... Christian Slater Edward, made her. Made her Christian Slater made her great in Heather's. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, Scissor, Scissor Scissor yeah no. and The Age of Innocence. Those are the three that popped to my head. Are you but kidding? really, there's not many. But I do. I do. Who enjoy is she? S- she's she's got to be. Who's she related to? She's got to be related to somebody. <laughs> and actually, I thought she was great in Black Swan. I thought the role she played in that. Of the like the former glory, I thought worked really well for her. Beetlejuice, so, I'll give you Beetlejuice. Yeah, there you go. See, she's got she's got some stuff in there. But and how it, did she get an Academy Award nomination for Little Women? Are you kidding? Uh. <laughs> one uh, one person who was cast in this. Are we um, back to this? Perfectly. Um, is Leland Orser who. I'm sorry to say is will forever yeah. be the the guy who's perfect for somebody who has to have like a panic attack and scream. Yeah. He's so great at every movie. He has that. I know. He's like, okay, now hyperventilate and scream. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's very true. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's good talent in this, but I don't think, gosh, I, I, I'm, other than Leland Orser, I don't feel like anyone was used appropriately. Yes, yes, and, that's yeah. totally it. So, yeah. yeah. No, it feels like everybody, it, it feels like everybody's just got, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what this, I'll tell you what I walked away feeling. That, uh, you know, how, how upset Fincher was with um, having to shoot every day with uh, the next few pages of script, right? right. Not having yep. a finished shooting script going into right. shooting, right? That, I think we learned from Alien 3, is a bad thing. Yes. And the result of that movie, I don't know how the assembly cut, they came back together and ended up making what I think is a great film. This movie had the shooting script, but it felt like it was shot page by page every day. Like the cast would walk on set, having been blindfolded the night before, and they just (laughs) were traipsing around this, this, you know, set uh you know saying lines as they were accused as they're called to them from off camera that's what it felt like to me it was just stumbling through this movie i hate talking like this because uh you know it's like you know how easy is it to say well pete what have you done well i haven't i have never made an aliens movie so i I can't say i would do any better but this movie as a fan i was i was left long well i think and you know they brought um jean-pierre junet in um, who had done Amelie? Uh, no, he hadn't. He done hadn't Amelie done Amelie, yet. but the script he had was done finished. He had finished the script. and uh, the City of Lost Children with Mark Caro uh, before this, and 
they wanted these guys to come out. Mark Corot uh, didn't want to, but Junet, he actually met with the people in Hollywood and he said, you know, I don't know why you want me. I have no interest yeah. in making a Hollywood movie. And they said, perfect. That's what we want. And so it's almost like they kind of let him go at it, making this crazy, like foreign version of, of the alien films that I don't know. It just, uh, I, I mean, I love his other films, but this one just felt like the, the wrong man in the film, you know, the wrong man running the show. Yeah. Square peg, round hole. Yeah. I wonder if that's, you know, you go back to the single, you know, the, the butterfly flapping its wings. Mm -hmm. You wonder if it's that decision, that perfect, you'll be great. Uh, yeah. that, that actually ended up doing this. The, the, um, you know, who was on board before him or yeah, I, I was I just going to was... say, we should, we should walk through because I, I know, uh, there are a number of names that had been associated with this film that I think would are really compelling. Yeah. I don't know if any of them ever officially were on board, but just the idea that they were considered makes it, it seem like there were better options out there. The first one up was Danny Boyle. Who was fresh off train spotting, who I think would have been great. Oh, would have been great. Yeah. The film that never was. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh Danny Boyle uh has obviously gone on to do some of my very favorite films. Yeah. Uh and uh not to mention, you know, train spotting, but uh um a life less ordinary. Uh, 28 Days Later, uh, huge fan of 28 Days Later, and yeah. uh, Slumdog Millionaire, of course. Yeah, and even Sunshine and Millions, I think, are both great films. Yeah. So, uh, Okay, so there was that. Uh, what else? Um, Peter Jackson was asked, although he said no. There's another great option. Brian Singer um, was yeah. asked, except um, he was... Uh, I don't know if I guess oh he obviously said no, but I don't know uh, what the story is with that one. Yeah. And then uh, Jean Pierre Junet, which is just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you know we haven't really talked. I, I don't know. Have we talked at, at length enough about the the story to to get into the creatures? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's aliens run amok. Aliens run amok, and and but the the genetic this is the this is the big twist, right? The genetic gift of Ripley as mother is uh, the the gift of reproduction. So mm -hmm. now the queen, which is what had been harvested from Ripley, um, in the opening scene, mm -hmm. uh, is able as a result of their genetic pairing to not have to lay eggs, but can give birth. Right. Right. And so in the, the final act of the film, we are introduced to the offspring, which is a, a, the birth of the genetic munge of human and alien. Mm -hmm. The newborn. What do you, what do you think of the alien hybrid? It is the most uh, um, horrible, <laughs> um, stupid, yet oddly sympathetic 
in a way that angers me. <laughs> <laughs> Creature. I get I get so pissed off. I, I feel so bad <laughs> for this poor creature when it gets sucked out of a of a hole in the side of a spaceship the size of a quarter. Like <laughs> that is one of the worst deaths. It is the I, I just can't imagine like watching this thing getting sucked up. It's like it's yeah. one of the most horrible things ever. And it has those little puppy dog eyes. Oh, and it yeah. makes me so angry that they gave it puppy dog eyes. <laughs> and then I've... and then made it deflate. Oh man. When its skin finally pulls over its face and it mm-hmm. gets sucked out of the thing, that is this is gonna be uh, this is this will be a list, uh the movies we like list of the most horrifyingly insulting <laughs> deaths of alien creatures in the vacuum of space and there's only one thing on it <laughs> and it right. is this this is the most horrifying and grotesque uh even though i have no uh love for the creature at all it is the dumbest looking creature uh <laughs> the after i mean it is an insult to the aliens that have come before it which had been which you know I mean, it was just like, oh, you know, they just sat around this table and said, that H.R. Geiger, I don't think he really had it. Who needs him? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So instead, Uh, we're going to just, you know, we're going to, this is what I like so much about it. Uh, And when I say like, again, with the air quotes. uh, Based on the size of alien creatures in the film, creatures having, um, they wanted it to have have, uh, both male and female genitalia. Uh, so it, 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 no, not they, this was a specific request from the from, director, from the director who later thought it was, uh, it ended up being too, uh, too grotesque. And so they removed it during post-production. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Okay. But I do have one comment on the creatures or uh, specifically related to CGI that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I had not made the connection that blue sky had been hired to do in the case of this series the first uh full cg of you know the original alien creature and i thought the cg looked great yeah in this movie i thought they did a great job blue sky uh you know now is a full production house yeah. uh and they did uh you know robots and all the ice age movies and um and what else uh they did uh, Rio, uh, and so you know they've got some good, some some good titles under the belt now. But but you know, ten years ago they did uh, they they were a commercial and and um, effects house, and um, and I thought the the work on the film, the swimming aliens. I think they had they did the uh, the CG for the swimming aliens, uh, and I think that they looked great. And on the, they also um, they also had Tom Woodruff in a suit underwater yeah. as well so i mean they had both going on under that and and i think didn't tom woodruff jr wasn't he the the puppy alien too that got sucked out the hole he was yeah yes so that's yes. that's too bad i know poor tom he's got tom. you know just an interesting side note tom woodruff jr and alec gillis um yeah who their special effects company did the special effects for this film um they are Along with Sigourney Weaver, I, I guess the um, longest-running people in the Alien saga because they actually worked on Aliens with Stan Winston, mm-hmm. and then they um, did the creature effects in Alien Three, 
and this. So, uh, so they've been around uh, for quite a while. So it's interesting that they didn't have a problem. I guess the paycheck was probably good, but making this newborn creature. It's you know? so bad. Yeah. It takes a bad movie and takes it to a whole new dark place. It's yeah. really terrible. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this was also the first movie that was filmed in Los Angeles. Yeah, This all the rest were England. And then this one, uh, maybe that was the problem. They I shot it in say LA. less. They shot it in L.A. That was a problem. You know what I think was really interesting about this? At the same time that this movie was filming, and and you know, I, I don't know if this is a sense of perspective, but the blockbusters that were shooting at the same time—Titanic, Starship Troopers, and uh, the 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 um, uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park—were um, all shooting at the same time. And you think, I mean, those are some really big properties. Yeah, uh, to to hit at the same time that this movie was being filmed, and I and uh, it it really to me it just it, this movie even Starship Troopers was more fun than this one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean I think so, they're trying to do something heady, yeah. and it just was a failed attempt. So what are you going to do? But uh, let's so, talk about box office. This movie talking. costs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it cost sixty million to make. It made domestically. 47.8 million internationally it did a lot better it made 112.9 so almost 113 million internationally so worldwide 100 just uh, 160.7 why million. why do you think it did so much better internationally is that i mean did jump here Jeanne really have that kind of a pull you know i don't know but maybe it does have a just a feel of that international weirdness <laughs> I don't know if if that's fair to say, um, mm -hmm. but Alien Three also did better um, overseas. Oddly enough, yeah. So I, maybe it's the darkness. You know, I think you know um, Americans are notorious for not liking dark endings or weird endings. They want to see something that's a little friendlier. You know, uh, I'm going to change the subject. Can I change the subject? Yeah, I think we're done with the numbers. No, I would. I'm interested in your comments on uh, Darius Kanji. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and his work on this film because you know he's somebody we've talked about uh, you know at length before with the uh, with regard to Panic Room and um, uh, Seven Seven uh, right and and obviously he had uh, worked with uh, Janae on uh, Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. Um, you know, uh, just in general, the the cinematography. How do you how do you think it 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 played? Was it was it redeeming to you at all in this movie? I actually like it. I mean, I think the cinematography looks great. Something that um, was interesting that they that he worked really hard to do beforehand on the sets is they designed the lighting into the sets, so they didn't really. So you could almost just walk into the set and it was already lit. They didn't have to go in and hang lights or anything. If you notice when you watch the film, there's lots of like panels in the wall and interesting lattice works mm -hmm. and things like that. And the lighting is coming from behind those in almost every setting. Um, so essentially it was kind of pre-lit. And it's, I actually really like the lighting and the look of this film. So, you know, I do say that, um, I mean, it's not his greatest film, but I do enjoy what he did with it. Okay. All right. You know, I, you know, I didn't, I, I, you know, you're the, you're the artiste. <laughs> you didn't like it or you, 
or no, I just, don't care one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, didn't feel like I had that much skin in the game, but I did in so many of these other movies that we've talked about. And, uh, uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, when you look at a movie like this, it's just another film that is such a surprise. And I feel like I, I don't think, I mean, ah, it, it's so frustrating when you look at the names. Mm hmm on this on this list even you know i mean i Genet is terrific i there the movies that he's done that that are not this one i really enjoy yeah um it, written by joss whedon for whom i have great affinity yeah uh and uh the cast i think is stellar the the music by john frizzell the cinematography darius kanji um uh, i i have such respect for everyone who I, I that of the names that i recognize on this list and and the other work that they do it is stunning to me how they came up with a movie like this I know. this is the cinema cinematic answer to groupthink <laughs> uh it's really a surprise yeah Yes, it's a, it kind of is a, an unfortunate end to the uh, to the official anthology. I guess is what we're yeah. calling these four films. Well, are we are we finished with these four films? Or is this it? Have we run out of space? Uh, run out of breath on this one? Uh, I, Do you have I more think, to say? I think so. Um, I don't. I no. I, I mean, I don't think I have anything more to say about this film. Um, how does it so so give me a reflection on on now that you've because i mean what's the last time you sat down and watched all four of these movies in a in a rather short period what's your overall reflection it's been a while it's been a while since i've done that and it was nice to do again it was nice to revisit the four films and see them again and really get a sense for the place of of how they all fit together and how they work and uh much like um, after rewatching all the Indiana Jones films, and I, I made the comment how it felt like Raiders of the Lost Ark almost felt like a separate film from the other three, which had a much campier feel. All mm -hmm. uh, I think all three of them did. Raiders had a much more serious tone. In this one, the first three feel much more tied together, and the last one feels kind of like this little dangling. It's like you know the little poop dangling right off, into the. Uh, uh, off of a cow's butt that just kind of dangles there for that's a that, that's a that's just atrocious that's <laughs> a bovine dingleberry <laughs> bovine dingleberry yeah. that's what this film is it's it's the bovine dingleberry of a, a prize cow <laughs> which is the series <laughs> that was uh you know i think i've sort of said this that was the big lesson for me uh as well which was which i thought was so interesting because i went into alien 3 not remembering it that well and what you said is is i think spot on that the first three movies i think you know the first two movies obviously they they feel like one film to me yeah. but the first three as a set hold up really well together right i was very surprised that alien three held up as well as it did with those other two and i think it i, I think that's a you know I, I i think that's a that was a great learning to me that 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 every each one of the first three movies brought fresh, to me, fresh design, fresh scares, fresh horror, um, fresh writing. Everything about it brought something new. And uh, and I think Alien 4 just sort of slammed all of the great stuff that we got out of Alien 3, 2, and, and 1 together in a in a not very original way uh so that was a that was a, a really interesting learning to me uh, does it does watching these all three does it give you any new perspective on what we're we're going to see this coming week in prometheus 
I, you know, I don't know. I mean, listening to uh, Lindelof talking about it, it sounds like it's the same universe, but it's not really tied into this series, really. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm really excited to see Prometheus. Um, but I don't, uh, I, I, other than looking for the things that tie into Prometheus from Alien, you know, because uh, I, you know, you've seen the kind of that big curved C-shaped spaceship mm-hmm. that the the um, space jockey is in. Um, that's in the trailer, and so you know, I'm very curious to see how all of that fits together. Um, and but I don't really know what to expect. One thing, and actually, I hadn't mentioned this, but I did end up in uh, Entertainment Weekly, or did I mention that? I can't remember. You did. You did mention. I don't think we read it. No, but well, my comment was about the look of the film, and that's something I'm I'm very curious to see what Ridley Scott does. And I may have talked about this on, on the previous episode, but um, what I said was here. I'll, let me read it. Though I'm excited about other movies this summer, it's Prometheus that tops my list. Alien changed both sci-fi and horror films forever, and I can't wait to see what Ridley Scott brings to the table. My only concern: the technology looks much fancier in in 2023 to 2020, 2093 the years of Prometheus, than it does in 2122, Alien. I hope we get a plausible explanation for that. Obviously, film production technology has improved in 33 years, but George Lucas at least seemed to try to find a way to blend his two Star Wars trilogies together. Yeah. And that, I mean, to me, that's really going to be the the weird thing about watching Prometheus is uh, even just watching the trailer, it doesn't feel like it fits look wise at all it doesn't and it it makes me think and also you know uh, to your point listening to lindelof talk about it and listening to you know ridley scott talk about it i'm not sure they care yeah i i get that impression as well i i I sort of get that impression the other thing that i think was really interesting a point that's kind of lingered for me is is lindelof saying you know uh, to this point about universe i've been thinking a lot about universes right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this whole idea of universes and, and and particularly when you look at um, you know the Marvel universe, the the uh, Avengers universe that is that is that we're seeing a lot, so much of right now. Yeah. Uh, that article I I uh, talked about, we actually maybe didn't talk about it last week. The Quentin Tarantino universe. Oh um, yeah, we didn't. We didn't really talk. We should talk about it. The whole concept. I, oh man, I had never made any of these connections. But but a fantastic piece on Reddit, um, uh, where in in which it is outlined a a case that every Quentin Tarantino movie is part of a, what they're calling a film universe and that they're all connected inside the same universe, including, you know, all of the movies from, uh, Inglorious Bastards through Reservoir Dogs through, I mean, all the movies are connected in the same universe. And, and when you, you put them together, uh, in this argument, it starts to make a lot of sense, uh, in, in an, a brilliant way, not just, um, you know, universe points, but cultural points that are tied together, like why violence is so prevalent in these other movies and and why, you know, film knowledge is so prevalent in these other movies, leading all the way back to, um, you know, this universe is Hitler being killed in a horrific way in uh, in a theater. Mm-hmm. It's right. a fascinating thing. And I think that uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about universes and how Prometheus is part of this alien universe. But then Lindelof says, you know, it's it, it is, um, you know, we're not trying to make a prequel. We're trying to make a movie 
which if we're lucky and this becomes and, and we end up doing a sequel, that sequel will not be get us any closer to Alien. Yeah, right. The sequel will not be Alien. So so there is a whole new story that's a, a completely different forked line. I think it's it, it you know, we end up uh, you know, for those of us who for a long time have been looking to make direct connections to Alien, uh, I think that might be sort of a fool's errand. Uh, yeah. Because I don't think they care and I don't think they tried. And I think they have a, some interesting IP and that's what they're going for. Th- there was another one that I think is really interesting that's uh, that's back to James Cameron and, and the, um, you know, the universe that he's playing with with Avatar. Right. Uh, and all the movies coming now on uh, are going to be in this avatar universe but not necessarily related to one another which is really interesting this so it is it's it ties into almost like the whole idea of like the dungeons and dragons worlds yeah. or all these like you know sci-fi fantasy worlds or even the video game universes where you can have these different games in the same land or same right. you know universe that um like even nintendo has some of those like weird little crossovers or whatever but um well and isn't that interesting because for so long we have looked at uh, and and I'll, I'll use game of thrones as another example um uh, or or not even game of thrones uh the um christopher paulini uh books uh the the first movie they they did make a movie of aragon which was kind of a, a bastardization of the books but the books of the aragon series ended up being i think really uh, a pretty good fantasy mm-hmm. and 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 uh, so there's this this i i think we're we're f- fully in the era of the universe where for the last 30 years of filmmaking we've been talking strictly about pre uh, sequels you know on, on a linear timeline of dramatic events right Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. It's either our cultural concept of storytelling is, is, has evolved uh, through film or uh, technology has evolved to allow us to take more, uh, to to sort of create more of these divergent kind of dramatic principles. Uh, but we're in this era where I think more and more writers and filmmakers are seeing that, you know, we can, we really have not fleshed out stories that allow us to leverage the coolness of the technology that we're creating, um, but don't have to rely necessarily on the same characters and, and yeah. the same restrictions that come from dramatic sequels and prequels. I think yeah, that's great. It is very superhero, it is comic book superhero world, sort of. You're right when you said that. It, it is a very interesting way to make all of this and and it's interesting and it's fun to fun to stew on it and and you know i think there will be a lot of people you know coming after prometheus opens i think there will be a lot of people talking about it online and how how these worlds all kind of overlap and intertwine yet are separate well and my my point about christopher paulini i i didn't realize i didn't finish it was that you know he came out an interview saying something that i thought was really fascinating which was um uh, he said, you know, I spent, uh, you know, the last 15 years or something uh, writing in this universe of these characters in this in this in this world. And he said, I'm deeply in love with it. And so, no, I probably won't won't write any more books about the, the protagonists of this of these books, but I absolutely will go back and write more in this universe. Uh, because I'm because I have such a deep connection to it, and I think I think that's a really interesting thing that we're seeing with with filmmakers who are who are um, 
seeing that there's a lot of opportunity to explore more isn't deeply. That the, isn't that the same thing that J.K. Rowling said about the, yeah. the world of Harry Potter? The I think world she was going to revisit it, but not necessarily with those characters. So You know, I was introduced to something... Um, today that i've been absolutely obsessed with you know i'm I'm a big fan of the harry potter um uh, universe i really enjoyed it. i read it all to my kids and do all the voices and it's great fun and there's one i would like to recommend which is uh, you know not film related but uh you know if you know how to read uh head to hp more hpmor.com it's harry potter and the methods of rationality uh, in in its it is an alt it's fan fiction it's a serial with eighty five chapters so far in which Petunia marries a professor and Harry grew up reading science and science fiction and it's all about what would it be like if Harry Potter was uh you know somebody who was um, sort of raised by uh, a professor and raised on logic and um, it ends up being one of the most interesting kind of alternate reality Harry Potter reads that uh, I, I'm totally obsessed with it. Cool. It's fantastic. Uh, and you read it, you can read it all online. It's uh, by Elitier Yudkowski. Uh, there's an audiobook project from some fans. There is a, you can download the book. There's an RSS feed for each chapter. You can, you can RSS feed so you can, you know, be notified when the chapters come out. HPmore.com. It's, it's a fantastic read. Excellent. Yeah. I I don't have anything else to talk about. You know, something we didn't talk about. Yeah. There's a, there's a few a few little fun alien side notes that Oh, yeah, you we, had your note. That's good. We uh, talked about talking about. Yes, we did. <laughs> the first one which I think everybody should um force themselves to watch. And in fact, in some weird way perhaps it it will cleanse your palate after watching alien resurrection i don't know but go to youtube and search for aliens ride at the speed of fright <laughs> it's equally terrible but in some way it's it's kind of entertaining this was a one of those motion rides kind of like star tours or one of those similar rides that for whatever weird reason opened up in the um, the Fisherman's Wharf area of in San Francisco, in like '97, so around the time that um, uh, Alien Resurrection was out, and uh, it's it's pretty terrible and it's really <laughs> horrible filmmaking. And you obviously, unless you are moving your chair as you watch it, you're really not getting the full effect. But it's pretty bad. <laughs> but it's, you know, I don't know. Is this worse than Alien Resurrection? I don't know. I, the fact that there is a question there I, is, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. I think it's I think it's funny, you know, because there are two pieces to this. And it's very important. There's the pre-ride, mm. which you have to watch because the, yes. the poor surviving soldier is, is played by um, Jeffrey Coombs from uh, who is the, you know, longtime star trek alien and um he's he's an actor he's done voiceover work for just about everything and he's this forlorn sort of i don't know early 20s uh soldier all the rest of his unit has been killed and he's having he's please don't make me go back there not only do they make him go back there they make him drive the truck it's the saddest <laughs> thing ever but then the second part which you have to also watch is the ride i think the ride is better than alien resurrection <laughs> i'm not sure about the pre-ride if only because they they're stealing footage from <laughs> from, from aliens. aliens. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, yes. So anyway, that's that's a little fun bit. Um, what are the other ones? Oh, you know, in this in the spirit of fun with the alien movies, uh, don't forget to check out Spaceballs again to uh, to um, uh, watch the recreation of the the chestburster scene, <laughs> which is a a fun bit that they got John Hurt back for. Not again. <laughs> That was the one. Didn't it come out and like do a tap dance? Yeah, hello my the, baby. Yeah, hello, hello my honey. Yeah, yeah that's, you gotta love it. Oh, I mean, great. <laughs> and then, uh, gosh, what else was on that list? I just uh, oh, I've well, I've got the list. So we had that. We 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 also wanted to. to we, th- this was an interesting thing you point out that the end credits of Aliens has a skittering sound, setting up the idea mm. of the face hugger on the ship. That was something that we we had uh, that I hadn't uh, noticed. Yeah, unless you stay to at the end credits of Aliens, um, there's this little sound at the very end of the credits where you hear a facehugger skittering across the floor, um, which, you know, I don't know if they ever specifically said it's for a sequel or if it's just for fun, but um, from that moment on, that was, you know, fans had it in their heads that, oh, the queen had laid an egg in the ship. So yeah. it set it up kind of nicely. Yeah. Uh, Sid Mead, amazing yeah. designs and aliens. We we never mentioned him, but Sid no. Mead did a lot of the great design work in Aliens, and you know he's a a fantastic fantastic mind for the um for this science fiction art and the stuff that he did in um uh, in Aliens. I think really like the the spaceship designs and all that stuff really was uh stunning i mean he also did blade runner he did star trek the motion picture you know the list goes on and on some of the greatest stuff i mean just fantastic work i've always loved his stuff yeah so we forgot to mention forgot him to mention him and finally uh bob burns yeah what a strange uh story this guy has he's um i, I can't remember how it happened but um like he he basically was a, a collector of a fan who would just go to these auctions that studios would have and just collect things. He got his collection got so big that studios started calling him up saying, Hey, we're gonna be dumping all this stuff. Do you wanna come pick it up? And he's like, sure. To the point where they were bringing like semis full of stuff to his house. And he had to build like this huge addition to the back of his house, like a barn. <laughs> to store all this stuff and he has like original alien costumes he has like the original queen from from uh, aliens um he's got like original uh the space suits and just all this stuff from all these films i mean it's really you can look bob burns up on on youtube as well and look at some of the stuff that he has i mean it's it's amazing not just from the alien films but lots of other films so well, really interesting guy we'll definitely put the link to you you had sent over both the um uh both parts of the uh bob burns uh links that you wanted to share and so we'll put those in the show notes rashpixel.tv slash mwl uh for this week's episode indeed yeah Awesome stuff. So uh, to celebrate, everybody go out and watch the trailer for Prometheus one more time. There's a, a nice uh, check out the nice big three minute uh, trailer and the uh, paper version as well. And the pa- <laughs> and the paper version as well. <laughs> and uh, and we will catch up. Uh, and so next week, so it opens. Um, what night does it? it is it actually tomorrow. a mid- I don't think there are any midnight screenings. They're not having tonight. a midnight screening tonight. So all right. I don't. I don't think. It was uh, 
I don't know. It's an R-rated. Yeah. You know, I I don't. Yeah, I don't. No, I, I take it back. I'm looking at my local theater, and sure enough, it's showing at midnight. Oh, so you could still make it. Maybe I'll sneak out and watch it. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So we'll catch it this weekend, and we will be talking about it. Uh, we'll be talking about it next week on the show. That sounds great. All right. Good talk, Andy. Ciao. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today.